today. Warren and Ryan here with you. We'll talk about the finals as it's tied up at two. Now it's a best of three series. We got the Open Championship going on. We have a new Formula One format for this weekend that starts up uh, tomorrow. This is something they're doing for a couple of races, so we'll get into that a little bit. A little different uh, thing going on, so they're trying something new, so... I'll give you the details on that as well. We'll talk uh, whatever else is going on. The uh, the Popeye's chicken seems to be getting a lot of hype on the uh, on the interwebs as we talked about it on uh, Tuesday. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the iHeartRadio podcast app as well. Ryan, how's it going? I know it's got to be a little bit of a downer right now. Yeah, you know, not great, not great for sure. Uh, emotions were running uh, on many different levels last night, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Here we are. <laughs> All right, why don't you give us your uh, thoughts on the game, and then we'll talk about it. I mean, I, it kind of falls in line with, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's not It's not uh, anything that's kind of hot take-ish or, or uh, you know, I'm not going to skip Bayless or Stephen A. myself out here and make all these outlandish uh, remarks. You know, it is what it is. It was pretty straightforward. Devin Booker was cooking early. He just was making seemingly every shot that he put up. Uh, that third quarter was phenomenal. Some of the shots he was hitting was just unreal. And, uh, you know, Giannis and Chris Middleton did did their part. You know, Chris Middleton puts puts up 33 shots. Um, I think we, you know, I, I've mentioned this before that when when the Bucks need a bucket, that's that's the guy they go to is Chris Middleton because he can create a little more off the dribble. He can create his own shot, and uh, you know he did it. He was making buckets and big time big time possessions, and uh, you can't turn the ball over 17 times wherever the Suns did especially late in the game when you have a lead or, you know, it's a close game. Chris Paul was just, you, you couldn't tell the difference between Chris Paul and campaign out there. Uh, the way he was turning the ball over 17 offensive rebounds for the bucks. I mean, the list goes on and on I mean, you're up, you're up six points. I think with, uh, you know, six points or seven points with, uh, with five minutes to go, you know, you feel like it's, you know, pretty comfortable, not, not comfortable, but you, you feel like you got a good grasp of the game, especially the way that third quarter ended. And, uh, they just shit the bed, you know, and and I put a lot of it on, you know, Devin Booker getting into foul trouble isn't great. It's not ideal. I mentioned, um, I think, last week's show that I did solo. Um, when when the Suns stay out of foul trouble, that's obviously when they when they do their best. And and then and that's not even including Devin Booker. I'm just talking about DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder, guys like that. When they stay out of foul trouble, uh, you know, that's when they're at their best. When when things start not falling their way or or they start getting called for fouls and guys find themselves on the bench, you know, it's especially, I mean, obviously Devin Booker, when you're, when you're cooking, you gotta, you gotta try to be smarter than that. I know he's an aggressive player. I know he's in kill mode. Um, but I think too, when, when he was on the bench, Cam Johnson should have been involved more. He just could not get the ball in his hands. And when he did, he was hitting shots. You know, I tweeted out, I said, Cam Johnson's got to get involved with Devin Booker on the bench. And that never really happened. Whenever campaign is on the court, I just clench my butt cheeks and grit my teeth and see what he's going to do. Cause who knows, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm yelling, get him off the court. He doesn't need to be on the court. And then when he makes a big time bucket and gets the N one, I'm yelling, Holy crap. I can't believe he just did that. Uh, more so out of shock and not like, you know, uh, you know, any, anything else, but it is what it is. Here we are. We're at two, two. The series still hasn't even started cause the home team hasn't lost. So, uh, you know, you got to go take two out of three for the Suns. And um, I, I, I'll be honest, though, I don't the 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 confidence level is uh, is, is getting a little shaky here, I, I must admit. 
I think, look, I think both teams, I think the Suns are still in a good spot. The thing, though, that is, I think would raise a little bit of alarm bells is that, um, like, the Bucks got 17 offensive rebounds yesterday. They also got 19 more field goal attempts. And so if you just look at it, like, percentage-wise, wow, the Bucks shoot 40% from the field. They shoot 24% from three, and they still win the game. I know they they do shoot 82% from the line. They get uh, 29 foul shots, and you're like the Suns. You shoot 51% and 30% from three, and 84% from the line. You're like, wow, those we should be able to win with those. But then you throw in the turnovers, the 17, and getting killed on the glass. I saw this. I was listening to the Low Post this morning. They had uh, Wendy and then uh, Mike Malone on with the Nuggets. That is very, Mike Malone, very very. Uh, good on the podcast he brought up that the uh, Suns didn't have a single fast break point at all yesterday the Bucks beat them in fast break points 15 to nothing and really that's when that's when the Bucks are really good in the fast break so that's big also they get the extra sh- I mean they took the Bucks took 97 shots it's just a volley it's just a volume game he did bring up something Zach Lowe, you mentioned there's this uh, website called Cleaning the Glass where it gives a bunch of, like, percentage going to the rim, mid-range game, three-point shots. You have to pay for it, so I don't have a subscription. But he did mention that the Suns are only taking 18% of their shots at the rim, and that probably needs that – needs, that needs to increase. He, they said they were – like around 30% or they were one of the lowest teams in the league this year taking shots at the rim, but 18% is really low. And they took like 56, 57% of their shots from the mid range. And the bucks have pretty much just made them a mid range team. Like last night, I think 25, whatever, 30% of their shots were for, for, were from three. That's not enough. So the bucks have just done a good job defensively at, squeezing them into the mid-range game. It's not saying, look, Devin Booker in mid-range is very good. Obviously, Chris Paul in mid-range is very good, but you got to try and attack the hoop more and get the corner threes going, and the corner threes yesterday for the Suns weren't really there. But so it's just interesting to see that they're they're attacking less to the hoop or their their shots at the hoop are less than what they are at the beginning. See, and that that's the reason why you're getting – the Bucks are taking 29 foul shots and the Suns are taking 19 because the team that's going to be the more aggressor at the hoop is going to get them. And the Bucks seemingly follow the Suns on like every three-point shot they take. Or not every, but they foul the shooter so many times. It is, if you're a Bucks fan, it has to be so, so manning. It's like they get the lead, they tie it up or they get it to two. And then they foul Crowder on a three or they foul Booker on a two. It's like that has to be so maddening that they just foul on jump shots like all all the time and mainly PJ Tucker. Yeah, they get real aggressive on those on those foul shots. I mean, they, I agree with you about obviously, uh, you know, the numbers don't lie about the reason why um why the Bucks are shooting so many more foul shots because they are getting to the rim. Uh, I do think some of these foul calls are getting ticky tacky on both sides. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend that that uh, the Suns didn't get a few favorable calls because they absolutely did. Um, but to your point about the mid-range jump shot, when you have two guys that are arguably, you know, top mid-range jump shooters in the game, and Devin Booker and Chris Paul, I mean, Chris Paul has a little hesitation move. He gets to the 
uh, foul line and shoots it. Um, we all, we all know the elbow shot that the, the Kobe elbow shot or the MJ elbow shot, whatever you want to call it, that Devin Booker has in his bag that he hits, you get hit with his eyes closed. Uh, so, you know, yeah, uh, Deandre Ayton absolutely needs to get involved more. You know, they were absolutely cooking when he was getting 20 and 20. Um, so, you know, him getting, I think he finished with like eight or 10 points last night. The Three huge, block, 10, yeah, yeah, the huge block by Giannis, I think, was the turning point of the game. Uh, I think if if Aiden shoves that down, then uh, we're looking at different results just by the way things uh, play out. Um, because it was such a huge momentum swing both ways. I think it sucked the air out of the Suns and it just pumped up the the Bucks that much more. So getting or excuse me, getting Aiden involved a little bit more around the hoop. You know, the pick and roll is really the the, the Bucks have been doing a great job of defending it. Um, they'll, they'll follow Aiton and let the guard handle it, whether he's going to drive it and, and look for the help side defense or make him shoot that, that mid range we just talked about. So I think that's been one of the bigger issues is Aiton's got to find a way to get involved more and get more baskets at the rim, maybe get some foul shots, excuse me, some foul calls. Uh, Booker's been able to get to the rim pretty easily when he wants to, they do a good job of not fouling him. He, he uses that, that left hand so well, the offhand. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously, like you said, I think both teams are in a fine position, but I don't know if there's a bigger discrepancy in sports than the three, one versus the two, two, you know what I mean? Like just the mm -hmm. feeling of it is just so different. And when, when you're right on the brink of being three, one, and now you're looking two two down the barrel, you got to win. Now it's a best of three series, the old cliche. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, not, a, not, it's just a, a different feeling. It's like, man, it's just, it's just so different. Well, and a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter. And yeah, you're about to go home in game, in game five. Aiden only had six points last night. Only took nine shots. Um, but he, I'm like, he's still very active. Out, he's 17 rebounds. Like, he's still doing a lot. It's, it's the same thing of of like Drew Holiday. Like Drew Holiday was four for 20 last night, and it looked for a time that I said he had money on the Suns or whatever, but. He did. He's defense. He's a pest out there defensively. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody was Booker was cooking everyone, but he plays hard defense. He got a couple of huge offensive rebounds late. Like he's still, even though his offense is really bad, he almost shot him out of the game. He still did plays that you're like, all right, he's worthy of being out there. But the other thing about Aiden is they pretty much just like Brooke Lopez pretty much cannot play in this series. Like he, he really shouldn't play. And they've just put Giannis at center and Giannis is able to do enough to disrupt Aiton. Like he's he's obviously can guard the pick and roll and do that. Like he's, he's done enough where he can move his feet and he's good defensively where they could put him at the five and they can, they can do stuff. Well, like Connington last night, I was, I'm plus minus is, is, People like use it like, oh, wait, like, look at this guy's plus minus. Isn't that probably a little too much? But Connington's plus minus was a plus, he was plus 21 last night. Like, that doesn't, that really doesn't make sense at how he was a plus 21. But that's when the Bucks go small and put Giannis at the five. And then the offensive end, they run the Giannis Middleton pick and roll. Like, that's really where they're at their best because their other half court offense is just not, not very good. Yeah, obviously the Suns like seeing Connaughton on the floor more. They always run this this pick it, the pick switch, uh, or excuse me, the uh, they they try to switch on him every single time. Whoever the uh, the main ball handler is, whether it's Book, whether it's CP, whoever it may be, uh, just because you know he kind of lacks the the lateral quickness to defend a lot of these guys and ends up fouling them. But 
when you're looking at, at a at a at a at a stat like plus minus, obviously it can be a little deceiving. Um, you know, just because you're on the court while guys are scoring doesn't necessarily mean you're doing your job. I feel I feel good when Connaughton's on the court for the Suns. I uh, you know because he takes a lot of shots. What was he yesterday? I mean, look, he was three for seven from three. You want to see a guy like him be a little bit more efficient than that. Through four of nine from the field. Um, but uh, you know, nine rebounds is huge for him. That's the you know that's kind of the number you're looking for. The biggest thing that that plays out to me is both teams only played eight guys all see all, yeah. all, all game. I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, you know, that's with Booker, like I said, in foul trouble. Uh, obviously, Sarge being out for the Suns, he's a he's a main role guy. Um, but they they just completely punted on Kaminsky. Said, yeah, not not a chance. You're not getting there at all, bud. Uh, but yeah, the fact that only eight guys are playing both sides. I mean, that's you don't see that too often. No, no, you really don't. And you mentioned it earlier, but the honest block was because that would have tied the game up um, with about a minute and 12 seconds to go. But they get it on the fast break. Just an amazing um, show of athleticism by Giannis. And did you hear? I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. You probably didn't. But did you hear what Giannis explained, like what he was doing when he was trying to block it? No. So he said that. When he went up, he like, I thought I was going to get uh, dunked on. Um, so what he did, he thought he was going to get dunked on, but he didn't try and block the ball is what he said. He said he didn't try to make a move on the ball. He's like, I was just trying to get my hand in front of the rim. So maybe I could get like a hand on it instead of going for the ball and missing it completely or following it. Or he goes, I just put my hand I shot it towards the rim, and that's how he got it. But he, he said it was a, a luck play, which I don't – If I mean, if you look at all the ground he covered, it really kind of was. But it was interesting how he said he didn't go for the ball, and he just put his hand, like, towards the rim, and that's how yeah. he uh, blocked it. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> I did – I thought the funniest thing of the whole, of the whole night was the Booker not – when Booker should have got a sixth foul. Not that he was complaining about not getting the foul called, but that he was then complaining that it should have been a jump ball. And then the next play, he was he was complaining that he should have got a foul called on him. And then he made like he should have got called for like a seventh foul. And then that didn't happen either. I thought that I thought that was the fact that he didn't even he was complaining for the jump ball when he should have been fouled out. I was I thought that was so funny. I was laughing so hard at that. Yeah, I mean the guy is guy's a competitor. You know what I mean? What can I say? What no, I, I know, but it was just funny that he's Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. He's he didn't even come close to getting the ball and he's wanting a jump ball and he got the mm. he got the call of his life there uh for not getting sent for not uh, falling out and he's gonna complain about a jump ball. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would trust me. Uh, I think it was, was it on Bobby Portis that that last uh, one of those last uh, couple plays. I was like, oh, shit, here it goes. You know, there there he goes. And they went because they blew the whistle, obviously. Right. Because the ball goes out of bounds. Like, oh, damn it. And sure enough, they don't call it. And he's he's putting his thumbs up saying jump ball, jump ball. I was like, buddy, what are we doing? Why do you mean <laughs> at this point in the game? What are we doing? Well, and he should there should have been a rule that he shouldn't have been able. They they he should have now not been allowed to complain about another call for still being another like <laughs> yeah like, yeah no but, if you're the ref you got to look at him and be like buddy the, there's no reason why you should be in this game i think you need to pipe down a little bit <laughs> yes and like the nba the adam silver memes of like the on the phone like keep booker in like i thought those were hilarious but 
they really are lucky. The NBA is that like he didn't hit like a game winning three or something like that. Cause it would all ever, the whole talk of today would have been how he shouldn't have been on the floor and he should have been fouled out. And like that whole charade, like they are the, the league is fairly lucky that they, they dodged that one yesterday. No. Oh, yeah. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, there was, there was, you know, friends of mine on Twitter and on Facebook and stuff. They're like, Booker's got 40 points and 10 fouls. The first person <laughs> ever to do that. <laughs> hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, it, they are, uh, lucky they got that, but, uh, we'll have to see what, uh, shapes up on Saturday night. Um, you got to think Bridges, you have like Chris Paul's going to play better. You, you said you weren't going to do any skip Bayless thing, but you had to skip Bayless. Chris Paul tweet in the heart of the moment last night. Look, man, emotions get the best of you. It will, uh, I can't, you know, yeah, I said it. I said it. And I was saying a little bit more too here at the house, um, more so than I was tweeting. But uh, yeah, like, like I said, but the emotions get the best of you in, in a high tense situation. You know, I can't say I'm not proud of it, but hey, look, it, it's, it's, uh, we all say stuff that we don't all, we don't, you know, fully mean. But no, I agree. Mikel Bridges has got to be better. He's got to get, going a little bit more these two games these two games they've lost he hasn't really been a factor and he's a guy that they that they need to be taking big shots and hitting shots in the corner finishing at the rim with his 10 foot wingspan uh you know so he's he's definitely got to get involved too kind of like when i said eight needs to be getting the ball at the hoop a little bit more bridges absolutely needs to be getting the ball and putting up a, a few more shots than uh than he has been the last two games yeah but uh I mean, look, Chris Paul's gonna have a better game in Game Five. Like I, he better, he better. Put, look, so, so, so one, one, one quick thing. On Monday, yeah. you said if Chris Paul wins this, does it really yes. change how people view him and his legacy? Yada yada. I said I think it does a little. I think if he loses it, it says a lot more or changes his his uh, how he's viewed a little bit more so than if he wins it. But doesn't it? Well, you're saying that after he had like the worst game of the playoffs. I mean, Correct. if he if he continues to have. If he plays games five, six, and seven, if it gets to seven, like he did in game four, well, then, yes, that's going to change his – that's going to change. But, I mean, the guy did in the closeout game two get to the finals, drop, what, 41 on the Clippers and was just playing ungodly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and weren't we talking on, on Tuesday saying, oh, Devin Booker, he had a bad game on uh, Sunday night. Yeah. Um. He needs to step it up. And what did he do? He 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 he, he scored forty two and he had thirty eight going into going into the fourth quarter. Like guys are going to have bad like subpar games and bad games. But when they have bad games, you hope that it's not like soul crushing. And last night was for the Suns ended up being soul crushing. And they were on the verge of overcoming a Chris Paul bad game and taking a three-one lead. So, I mean, you got to assume that he's going to come back and play, and play uh, better in game in game five. He and then if he has to, another, he needs to. But yeah, because I mean, you go look at his—he didn't play great really in games four, in games three, four, and five against the Clippers, and then he dropped that uh, mega game. So I mean, it's you're—he's—he he can't play as at least turnover wise. Yeah, you could look if someone has a bad shooting night fine okay Agreed. if he's five of 13 okay look you want him to take more shots but fine don't turn it over five times um because that's not what you're looking for i mean he really 
He's had he's had 15 turnovers in the last three games. He had six, four, and five. That's not that's that trend is is something that is 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 alarming on on the Chris Paul things rather than the the shooting is the turnover. Yeah. Um, and then him going for like the crazy crossover behind the back dribble or whatever. They ended up slipping at the end. Like that was trying to probably do a little too much, but absolutely. Absolutely. He wanted the highlight rather than the bucket. Um, well, he's been making a lot of highlights to get the bucket, but now you make the highlight for, for, for falling over and tripping over yourself, looking like (laughs) cliff ball out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but all right, that will be on Saturday night, uh, game five. So, uh, we will see where we stand with this, with, uh, the series on, Monday when we come back. All right. The uh, MLB All-Star game was going on this week. I thought uh, we talked a little bit about a home run derby. Look, I thought the All-Star game, I thought it was good. I watched a, a good amount of it, but I always like when they bring in the player interviews. Now they're doing that in the field or if they're if they're doing it at the plate to hear to see what's going on. But uh, look, I thought it was a good game. Um, there was a little more hitting Vlad Vlad Jr. It is amazing. The comparisons or whatever the. Uh, the the parallels between Fernando Tatis Jr. and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and how they're pretty much on the same career path as being former major leaguers and how they're performing well and everything. But it's good. It was a for all the players that were missing. It was the young stars to shine, and it was a look. It, it was a good watch, and and it, and the ratings were up. And I think anytime the rate any anytime the ratings are up it's going to be a good thing for uh, major league baseball. Yeah. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday. Um, cause he had, uh, he had asked me, um, you know, you know, did you watch the all-star game? And I watched a little bit of it. Um, and he was like, you know, what do you think of these, of these young stars, you know, Tatis and Vladdy? I said, I think it's awesome that these young guys are coming in. You know, I said, you look back 10 years ago, it was Mike Trout. It was Bryce Harper. It was all these guys. And now what? Like, you know, Mike Trout's still one of the best players in the bigs, but it's like they're old news. And these are the guys now that that are those who are going to be those those big stars. And I said, I think it's it's you know, it's 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 awesome. You know, there, there's no other way to put it. The way they're playing at such a young age, you know, 21, 22, 23 years old, they're putting up these big time numbers being like literal stars, you know, Tatis more so a little bit more showboaty. Uh, then then Vladdy and Vladdy just gets it done on the field. They both do. Um, but you know, Tatis has a little more flair to his style. And uh yeah, I think it's great for baseball. I think it's fun. Anybody that hates it has a giant uh Louisville slugger stuck up their ass and and can get over it. But uh, it's a great for the game, like you said. The the fact that the all-star game ratings went up uh is is first of all wild. And second of all, the MLB needs to be you know, singing from the rooftops and popping bottles of champagne for that to happen. But uh, it, yeah, it was fun. The, the biggest thing, obviously, the Vladdy home run, what was crazy to me is the crowd reaction. You know, and when, as soon as he hit it, instead of, instead of hearing these high-pitched, like, yells and, like, screams, like, you know, he's hit home run, what you heard is he hits it and everyone just goes, oh, because it was just an absolute moonshot. And he just dropped dong on that thing and hit it about 600 feet. And uh, that was that. I thought that was that was real cool. And he took a second to admire it, as he should. Uh, not only against a great pitcher in Corbin Burns, who hasn't allowed a run to like anybody, but it was just like I said, an absolute missile, and went uh, a mile long. Well, and they were interviewing Tatis when he hit it. Yeah, which was cool. He, he looks like yeah, that yeah, and he 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 takes a peek at it and then just puts his hand on his, his glove on his head, like holy shit, that ball is absolutely destroyed. Well, and the funniest thing was Joe Buck's like say something to Vlad as he's coming around. And I guarantee you, Joe Buck was not thinking Tatis was going to say something in Spanish. Yeah. 
And he says whatever he says in Spanish. And I would have liked to have seen the look on the look that Joe Buck and John Smoltz gave each other. Because they're like, <laughs> all right, he's going to say something. And he goes, oh, he said it in Spanish. We got to ask him what he said. He probably did not say what he said. But I was, I would have liked to have seen that look uh, between those two um, there. But uh, we got we got to do something. I always we got to do something about the uh, the jerseys. This year was the first year that they did the whatever the 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 similar jerseys the same everybody wears the same thing during the All Star game instead of the home run derby like where have those guys wear whatever garbage they want to make or whatever jerseys they make based on the city river not during the game the whole point of the game is to is seeing all the other different jerseys out there in the lineup don't I don't have them wear the same thing with the little team thing different. That's the one thing I didn't like. And they already said they're, they're getting ready for the all-star game jerseys next year. Like just why you got to change, why you got to change it up. The best, one of my favorite parts about the all-star game is seeing everybody wear their own uniforms out there. Yeah. And uh, that's, yeah, it's just absolutely. Uh, yeah. Those, 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 first of all, those uniforms sucked. You know, yeah. whenever they do the, the, the uniforms for the, home run derby you know they're fine you know that's you know whatever but yeah they got to get rid of those they got i think they're i think i want to blame nike for everything all these ugly uniforms we're seeing because i think it is partially their fault the white ones looked way better though than the blue ones yeah yeah because you couldn't even read like the like the blue on the red was or the red on the blue was weird you couldn't yeah it was it was it was bad but uh there's also some news going forward uh have we both come along on the seven inning doubleheaders? I've been, I've, I was a fan of them from the beginning. Okay. Well, it does. It sounds like this is going to be the last year of them. Yeah. Um, which look, I think I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not a fan. I know we've said lately how we like the double. You said from the beginning, I've come around on them pretty much once they first started being played of, I like the seven inning doubleheader. They should if the players want more time off schedule the seven inning double headers, we've said that on like a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday to give them some extra time off. But it the, the flow is good. It's just, everything's good about the seven inning double header, but it doesn't sound like it's going to make it after this season, probably because the TV networks are mad that, that they can't sell two more innings of, uh, of ad time. But, uh, and then the, the runner on second, is going to be leaving in extra innings. Look, I've, I'm, I'd say I'm pretty much indifferent on it. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but it is something different. I've, I've, if they want to keep a runner on, which I don't think they're going to, they should, I've said they should put it, put a runner on first with nobody out instead of runner on second, just to give the double play or make it, don't put the runner in scoring position right off from the stop from the start. But it seems like those two rules for COVID are going to be gone after this season. Yeah, which I'm I'm perfectly okay with. Um, you know, I think we talked the runner on second, maybe do that like inning thirteen or fourteen or yeah. something. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm okay with that because it's not really like I said, it's it's not even an earned run for the pitcher. It's you know, it's it's all this dumb stuff. So I'm I'm cool with that. But yeah, the the seven inning double header, I think I think that should be it should be like a Sunday staple. You know what I mean? Get a little Sunday matinee. Then you wrap it up with a little, with an evening game, seven innings, boom, Monday getaway day, and then you're ready to cook on Tuesday. But uh, that's the only thing I think you know would would be would uh, would make that a little bit better. But it's it's a bummer to see that they're that they are going away. 
Yeah, maybe there'll be a last ditch effort to change that. Or, but I think the players got to like it, right? Because oh, absolutely, they don't want to be out there for eighteen innings doing a doubleheader or, or having a, a split, uh, a day night doubleheader or anything like that. Like it's just everybody's in it always for player safety and everything. And this this limits how how many innings guys play and everything like that. But uh, wonder if that's hopefully that can they can get a change of course there. Uh, and keep the seven-inning uh, doubleheader. All right. F1 this weekend is at one of the staples of the season. Silverstone, the the British Brown, excuse me, the British Grand Prix. This is Sunday uh, after, or Sunday morning. I think the race starts at 9 o'clock. But normally how a race weekend goes is they have practice on Friday, and they have practice two on Saturday. Then there's practice three on Sunday morning, and then they do qualifying in the uh, afternoon. Well, this week, the FIA said, or they've they've announced this a while ago, but this is the first of what they're going to try this season. They're trying to change up a little bit of, uh, they think the schedule or the, the, the race weekend schedule is just practices on Friday, one on Saturday. It just kind of gets a little boring here or there. They're, they're trying to mix things up a little bit. So tomorrow... Uh, 8.30 a.m. if you want to watch. They're, they're going to have practice one for an hour. But then tomorrow, instead of practice two, they're going to have qualifying uh, at noon for the sprint race. And what the sprint race, so they're going to qualify for the grid for the sprint race. And the sprint race is 21 laps, I think, 17 laps or 21 laps. It's only going to be a half hour. It's on Saturday after practice two. And the sprint qualifying race is going to set up the grid for the full race on Sunday. And if you get first in the sprint race, you get three points of the championship. Second gets two points and three and third place gets one point. So something a little different this week. Um, People are skeptical of it because they think the sprint race Teams are definitely going to be drivers are going to be more conservative because if they crash, they have pretty much 24 hours to fix the grid or to fix the car before the race. And that's a lot of work, a lot of money. So it's going to be interesting what happens. They're only doing this three times this season. They haven't announced the other two races are doing it, but something different for the race weekend for F1. Yeah, I think it'll be exciting. Uh, Like you said, uh, fun and and see to try to see everybody like i said play play it a little bit more careful a little bit safer um but uh, i'm looking forward to it i think the only thing that would make it a little bit more interesting and dynamic to try to change it up a little bit is if um they made everyone race in reverse i think that'd that's be cool. yes that is well that's one of the things they talked about is having the sprint race be the reverse grid is what they call it a reverse grid start no i mean drive backwards oh okay it's um <laughs> or have or start like three races full races where the where the grid is a reverse where haas starts in the middle or at the front of the field or the worst start at the at the front and the best start at the back to see Haas would know what to do being at the front. The driver would be like, how am I supposed to know where to go? I don't, I can't follow the cars in front of me. That's usually, that's usually how I drive the track. I just follow everyone in front of me where yep. I don't, I don't know which direction I go in. I know. Wouldn't it be? So, I mean, doesn't the reverse grid race sound awesome? Yeah. But so that's the whole thing. It's 
I uh, I don't know why they're not trying it. Maybe they'll try the reverse grid um, with these other couple sprint races. But um, look, I think it's going to be it's going to be exciting. And and the races to begin with are not very long. I think they're an hour and twenty minutes, anyways. The the full race. So having a race that is going to be a half hour, 17 laps, whatever it is, 20 laps is going to be, um, pretty, uh, pretty good to watch. And it's just a little, uh, a little change up. These F1 people are like old golf folk. They're kind of, uh, they're kind of afraid of change when something happens in the, uh, in the race weekend schedule. They're, they're afraid of change on it. So uh, hopefully that they'll, uh, they'll come around on this even, even though they're only doing it three times and it's hard. And it, look, they're, uh, I'm never going to fault an organization unless it's baseball, depending on what they do for trying something different. Yeah. And you want to try something different to get more fans involved. Then, then there you go. But usually it's because baseball does the wrong thing. <laughs> yes. So, uh, that I can agree with. Um, <laughs> yes. Which we thought they had, they, they're bad in 500 or, or they're, they're batting 500 on their rule changes, yeah. what they're doing for next year. Um, but yeah, so it should be exciting. And I think there's a full, um, a full house at Silverstone this weekend, 120,000 people or whatever. So it should be, uh, should be a good one. There's only two races left before the summer break. Um, and they announced what the new car looks like for next year. The whole standard car it looks, uh, it looks a little different. And I do have my first, uh, F1 shirts that have been purchased. Finally got those in the mail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got the uh, Max Verstappen helmet um, from Not Enough Merch. And then I got the the livery, as they call it, which is the paint scheme for the McLaren, which they did at uh, Monaco. So those are those are the two shirts that I got. Very very. Uh, I swear I ordered mediums. They sent me a large, but they still fit well. The shirts are very uh, comfy. They have a lot of options on there for some F1 shirts. Did you get that from the official F1 store? I did not. Oh okay. It's it's from uh, Not Enough Merch. Oh yeah, you said that. Yeah, you said that. Yes. You said that. It's from uh, Not Enough Merch. The official F1 store merch is just, um, like. I don't want to wear wear. I want to grab one of those. Yeah, no, I was saying I need to grab one of those polos. One of the uh, one of the Red Bull polos or whatever. Yeah, oh yeah, with with the let's see what we got on there. We got Honda, we got Red Bull, we got Mobile Gas, Whew, Puma. Yeah, a lot think, of sponsors. Think I need to wear that on the golf course. <laughs> yes, yes, you should. They got to that. Also, if you go to like Etsy and just type in F- Formula One, they got a lot of cool shirts uh, that people are making. Uh, on their own but uh yeah so that's uh that is exciting all right the brit the open championship british open is going on right now have you seen bryson is already complaining well i mean no not a shock he is complaining he says that the driver sucks he says he's he's ripping the equipment he said the um the his now Tell me that this is not funny, that he is blaming when he hits, when he mishits the driver, the mishits are not, uh, they're not good when he mishits it. 
So he says he's living on a razor edge. And he goes, the face isn't for me. The miss hits aren't going straight. And when I don't hit it in the center, the ball is not doing what it should. Well, guess what? Don't miss hit it. <laughs> yes. The whole point of golf is to hit it in the center of the face. So miss it. You should get punished. And now he's throwing uh, Cobra under the bus. Just tough, tough, tough scenes for Bryson. He was like two over, got it back to one, two under somehow. And then he finished one over just all over the yard and complaint throwing equipment right under the bus. So see, this is what the, the complexity of Bryson brings for, I think for golf fans and maybe even for Bryson fans in general is at least for me, I've kind of started feeling bad for him a little bit. We saw earlier um, this week, one of the reporters calls him Brooks on quote unquote accidents. And the look on his face is kind of like, like, I just feel I like part of me kind of feels bad that he has to like put up with some of this shit. But at the same time, it's like when he says stuff like that, like what you just mentioned and, and a few other things, like he put himself in this position to have to deal with stuff like that because he was, you know, the mad scientist, he was doing all this extra stuff. He was so vocal about it and how this was going to be the new, he was going to change the game of golf and yada, yada, yada. And so it's like, man, I want to feel bad for you for all the shit that people are saying about you and all the stuff you're going through, obviously the caddy thing, whatever. And uh, not don't get me wrong. And I like this guy is, you know, dealing with a bunch of stuff other than just what people are saying about him on social media and, and TV radio, whatever. But it's like, like, I want to feel bad for you. But at the same time, like, then you go and say and do stuff like this. And it's like, yep, that's, you're just kind of confirming why people are saying or feel saying the things they do about you or feel the way they do about you. And it's just like, it's so tough. It's 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 a guy that I've almost found myself wanting to be like, OK, you know what? Let me try to buy in a little bit. And then I'm just like, nope, dork. He still didn't have to deal with getting called Brooks from the media, though. Agreed. No, like, agreed. Like, agreed. 100 like, percent agreed. Like. If it was a genuine like slip up, the guy would have said, I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I did not mean like that guy knows that. And the British press is like ruthless. Like those people are ruthless, but it's like, if you genuinely did it, the reporter would say, Hey, I'm like immediately say, sorry. I, I, it was a slip of the tongue. Like I, I really didn't mean it. And you would be able to tell in their voice. Yeah. Like you let, there was no, that wasn't even in the realm of possibility there that the guy even tried to apologize for that. Yeah. Like he shouldn't have to deal that with the media, like fans, whatever. And I, and I do sympathize with him because he said, like, I feel like I'm a nice person. Like I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. He's just like a weird dude on the golf course or like, he's just quirky and, and, and weird or whatever. Like I've had people that have had interactions with them before. And there he's like, he couldn't have been nicer. And, and what, what they say is that he's just potentially he's either like socially awkward or quirky, as you said, or then he's just like, he gets misunderstood. Like he's just trying to do his job at the best he can do it. And he's doing it a different way. And yeah, he's, he, he, um, he comes off as, as it's, I don't know, not cocky, but just like a, he comes off as a know-it-all a lot, and it's just like, I'm doing it my way. And there's nothing wrong with doing it your way, but I just sometimes feel like he's misunderstood, but then he just brings it on himself. It's like he's not able to balance the science guy and and then coming off as like it's either my way or the highway or whatever. It's just he's he, he cannot balance 
he's having a hard time bouncing and he's trying to do like I give him credit. He's posting a ton of videos on YouTube of like his behind the scenes for a week and like all these videos and stuff like that. And like I've watched a couple of them and when he's hanging out with his TikTok friends or the dudes that are on TikTok, these golfers on TikTok or whatever that are content creators. Like he seems like a like a just a, a normal guy out there, but it's like, dude, you're Bryson. Why are you hanging out with these YouTube dudes or like TikTokers or these guys that are in college still? Like one of these guys I played with in a qualifier. I think it's funny he's hanging out with them all the time. It's just like, why are you hanging out with these dudes? You don't have other friends you can hang out rather than just like 21, 22 year old guys that are like hanging out, hanging out with you because you're like, oh look, it's sick. We're hanging out with Bryson. He's a pro golfer, like this and that. Like, come on, you're you're a little bit better than that. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree. It's uh like I said, it's it's kind of maddening. Yeah, because you I, yeah, it's it's I kinda like I like you're it's like you like i I'm starting to feel bad for the guy, but then he's just saying, like, oh my driver sucks when I miss it. Well, duh. Doesn't every driver pretty much suck when you miss it? Like that's the whole damn point of the golf. Yeah. Um, that's what Tiger always said. Tiger, he said that technology didn't it didn't make good golfers. Well, it helped good golfers, but it helped bad golfers more than good golfers. Because he said, look, you could tell a good iron player right from the get-go, but uh, the technology will will help guys on tour fake it around. And Bryson wants to be helped uh, faking it around out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going on. Spieth looked good early. He's in second. Louie continued his run. Um, he's t- he's solo leader right now. Two back, three fifty to one. Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, so we got that going on a little bit. Not not counting the money. Didn't didn't count my winnings at all uh, earlier this morning. But uh, so far, so good right now. And we're in the afternoon wave of the uh, or the late afternoon wave of golf out there. And we'll see. It seems like it's playing a little bit harder this afternoon than it was this morning. But uh, good tournament so far underway. Yeah, I saw I saw Louie making a little run at it. Again, it is only Thursday, but uh, you know, a good good, you know, good start so far. Phil the thrill, not off to a good start. Um, minus or plus five through nine. Did you see the prank that Henrik Stenson pulled on Ian Poulter? Did you hear about this? No. So the restrictions are really pretty crazy over there. So a bunch of the players like rented out RVs and are staying in like an RV park or whatever. They're all together. Um, so Stenson pranked Poulter by, I think this was, this was a Tuesday night going to Wednesday morning, got a piece of toast, put some tuna on it and then put it on the roof of his RV and the birds at like four in the morning, he said it felt like he was being attacked by like 13, uh, just, uh, um, what's the flying dinosaur he said? Pterodactyls? Yes, he said 13 pterodactyls just getting attacked by all these pterodactyls on the uh um on his RV. So that woke up Poulter at uh like four in the morning. I think that's a pretty good uh pretty good prank right there. That is pretty funny. That is good. But if I'm Poulter, spin zone, this isn't the last time you're gonna see this many birdies. <laughs> well, guess what? Spoiler alert, not a lot of birdies <laughs> on Poulter's card this morning. That's tough. I think he shot one over, two over. So not that many birdies on Poulter's card. I do like the spin zone, though. Yep. The problem is he couldn't execute the spin zone. Tough. 
Do you have anything else before we uh, wrap up here? Am I? Oh, you want? Do you see the Richard Sherman story? I don't know if you're going to mention that. Yeah, the Richard Sherman story is tough. Uh, a lot of stuff still going on there. My biggest issue with it is um, Peter King, or who's a pro football talk guy? Mike, Fo- Mike Florio. Mike, Mike Florio. I always get them mixed up. Mike Florio. He's kind of taking a victory lap about everything because uh, he's not the biggest Sherman guy, but he's. I don't know. He's kind of pumping his own tires on Twitter. It's kind of been annoying, but uh, no, yeah, tough scene for for Richard Sherman. One thing uh, you mentioned about Richard Sherman made me think of another NFL player in the news. Uh, Dwayne. Dwayne Haskins getting, he got Ray Rice by his wife. Apparently she busted his face up, punched him, knocked his tooth out and uh, not a good look. Uh, just got married in March, I believe. And uh, they're already, she's already knocking him in the face. So I couldn't, I didn't think that uh, the start that Dwayne Haskins had with his career in football could get much worse, but it sounds like his, his marriage is off to a much, much worse start. And it was in Vegas. So you yeah. wonder what happened there. Uh, did you know he was signed by the Steelers? I did. Yeah. Okay. I, I forgot about that. I did see an aggressive tweet from uh, one of these guys that's saying now he'll fit in perfectly with steel in with the, uh, with the, Steelers fan base with a missing t- tooth. <laughs> I, I look, I laughed, but I thought that that was a bo- that's a little aggressive because uh, I guess you could uh, see. There's the problem. I feel like look, it's a it's a domestic violence joke, and if it's a if if someone said that about Ray Rice to his wife, then it'd be a, a cancellation city. But since it's Dwayne Haskins getting it, it's he, he can do it. It's a it's a double edged sword. I felt that that was, I was on the line. It's Dwayne Haskins missing it to Steelers fans of gifts, uh, gifts saying one of us. <laughs> I mean, pretty funny. It is funny, but, but yeah, no, me, you're right. There is a uh, there's a double standard there for sure. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, was, there was yeah. there there was a chuckle, and then I was like, whoa! I was like, I wonder if he's he's gonna delete this, but now it's still uh, still riding strong, and that's the. Uh, that's a little double standard there. Um, do you have anything else as we get? No, that, that's here? all I got. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot. To, uh, we're kind of in the dog days right now. Yep. Well, I, we're in the dog days. Training camp for the Cowboys. They're, they're, they start next Wednesday, I think, or Thursday. Yeah. And then the uh, I think the Hall of Fame game, they play the Steelers. That is the first weekend in August. So that is... Um, Coming about, down the pipe. Yeah, it, that is about three weeks away. There is... Uh, next week, the Olympics get started. We can talk about that on Monday, but uh, it's almost a surprise they're doing the Olympics with what's going on in Japan. It is uh, it is not looking great in Japan, but they're uh, trucking away at the Olympics, and I'm going to be uh, happy about it because guess what? This means a lot of early morning sports on for uh, your two boys to watch here the next uh, three weeks or so. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll because uh, the time change and everything, it's uh, it's gonna help us out. I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good thing for us. But all right, we'll talk a little more Olympics finals next week, whatever whatever else is uh, going on. But thanks everybody for listening, and we'll be back on Monday. Have a good weekend.